The Ziggler Show. Timeless inspiration from Zig Ziggler that's influenced over 250 million people worldwide. Inspiring true performance in your work and life today. Welcome to episode 312 of The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, resident brand ambassador and marketing strategist for Ziggler. Today, we're going to hear Zig talk to us about the first date. Uh, it's a marriage-focused message from Zig, and that's one of the things that's always stood out about Zig Ziglar and today's Ziglar Corporation, that this is not just about business. This is about whole life, and one of the things that Zig always came back to was relationships, and the one he liked to talk about most was his with the redhead, as he called his wife and the mother of Tom Ziegler, who's here with me today, CEO and proud son of Ziegler. We're going to listen uh, to a clip from Zig and then just have a candid discussion. Tom and I are. We both have our own journeys and our own marriages, and we're going to talk about that. Real quick before we dive in, I just want to thank everyone who has been listening to our still newly revived Ziegler show today in iTunes, when you click on business podcast, we were sitting at number 14. I think that's our highest ranking since we revived this just a few short months ago. And that comes from you guys finding value, downloading these podcasts, uh, giving us great five-star ratings and testimonials here in iTunes. It bumps our ranking, rankings up so that people can see us. They type in you know, business or motivation or inspiration, and we come up right there at the top, and that helps more people get exposed to the Ziegler message. So thank you. Uh, we're so grateful. Please continue to do that. If you hear something that's valid uh, to somebody else that you know, please forward it on and help spread that message. Well, here then is a 10-minute, fairly intimate talk, as you can imagine, from Zig on marriage. And then again, Tom and I are going to have an unscripted discussion together on how we have or haven't walked out some of these principles in our own marriages. Here we go. An anonymous author contributed this thought. Every husband and wife should remember that you go into marriage with your eyes open, but you will stay in the marriage only if you keep them half shut. Obviously, this addresses the fact that you keep them half shut to your mate's faults and peculiarities. You obviously leave them wide open to your mate's good qualities and all acts of kindness and affection. Want to have a beautiful relationship? Want to have an exciting marriage? Want to have a loving marriage? Want to have fun in your marriage is the question. Then let me suggest that you start the whole courtship process over. Do you remember how it was when you first met? You remember, ladies, you know, you went home and you said, oh, mom, I met him. You met who? Oh, mom, the cutest boy. Oh, mom. Now, he doesn't look like much, but mom, you have absolutely got to see him. And you remember how it was, fellas, after you had met her and you had gotten that first date and how excited you were. It was going to be next Thursday night, you remember? And the date was at 7 o'clock and you only lived five miles from her, but you cranked that old jalopy up at 6 o'clock just in case you had a flat. You don't want to be late. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened on the way down. 
you had that flat, and you got to walk two miles back to the service station to get the tire plugged up because you don't have a spare, and you realize you're running late, and so you call that little girl, and you say, honey, I'm running a little bit late, but I'll be there, don't worry. And you remember, ladies, how you responded when you said, oh, that's okay, honey, I'm glad you called, though I would have been worried, but I'll be ready. And of course, when he got there, you obviously were not ready. I mean, you made the rascal wait that respectful 15 minutes. You remember that. And you remember when you made that grand entrance on that first date, how you put that best foot forward? I mean, you came prancing out of there. You remember when all of that took place. And you know that little girl been running up and down those front steps every day for the last 19 years. But all of a sudden, you guys become concerned about her ability to negotiate those steps. I mean, you help the poor little thing down. Some of them are seven inches high. When you get out to the car, no female girl could be expected to open that monstrous thing. So you open it for her and you help the poor little thing in and you gently and snugly close that door. Do a double check on the seatbelt. Make absolutely certain she is secure and safe there in the confines of your automobile. You drive down to the movie and you load up on popcorn and peanuts and candy and, and the whole bit. You go in and you wolf yours down just absolutely as fast as you can and then you volunteer to help her. And you've been seated, you know, 30 or 40 minutes and you remember you had a little plan in the back of your mind. You remember you got tired of sitting there and you started to stretch. <laughs> you clever rascal, you. <laughs> and that hand just happened to drop in the right place. You remember when you were doing all of those things, how you would move heaven and earth. You'd plot and plan. You would do everything to get your beloved off by herself for 15 minutes, anytime, place under any circumstances and then one day you got married. Dr. George Crane says this, if you find yourself falling out of love, go back and court your mate like you did when you fell in love and you will fall back in love. Now I want to emphasize something. You might not agree with some of the steps that I advocate that you take. But the steps are not the important thing. I'm talking about a principle. What you want to do every day of your life for your mate is do something for your mate that your mate is totally capable of doing for themselves. If they can't do it, you have an obligation and a responsibility to do it. But if they can do it and you do it for them, you're saying, honey, I sure do love you. You're important to me. This reminds me of something that's important. Now, folks, I'm from another generation. I still say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. I still believe in some of the old-fashioned approaches to life. For example, in all the years the redhead and I have been married, I honestly don't think she's opened the car door for herself a dozen times when I was there. Now, obviously, she's capable of opening that car door. That's a simple thing to do. But I love to do it because every time I do it, it is a reminder to me. Here's the person I love. Here's somebody that's important to me. I take special delight in doing this little thing. Ladies, I've often said to wives that uh, if your husband gets out of that car and walks away without acting like the gentleman he ought to be, what you need to do is you just sit 
on that horn. You remind that rascal that he has a responsibility uh, to you. What it does, as I say, it really serves as a marvelous reminder. It really does. One of the things that I hold so important, and that's always, fellas, to keep your wife the most important person uh, when you're with anybody and everybody. From time to time, it happened as a matter of fact on this last trip out of town. From time to time, I'm picked up by a couple. And many times, the wife wants to sit in the back seat. On many occasions, the husband has even suggested that the wife sit in the back seat. I'm flattered that they want to honor me, but that is a misplaced concept on the part of that husband. His wife is the most important person on this earth to him. She occupies that seat up front by him. I would never dream of sitting in that seat if there is a wife along. Honor your wives, fellas. They will love you for it and respect you for it. I'm very capable. I spent 14 years in the cookware business. I'm a pretty fair cook. I could survive if I had to do all of my cooking. Uh, Making hot tea in the morning is kid stuff. I can turn on hot water and pour it over that bag as good as anybody you've ever seen. But I'm here to tell you that in the morning as I'm finishing shaving, when the redhead says, Honey, are you ready for your tea? I said, Yes, I am. She said, I'll have it for you in just a moment. She loves to do it for me. It reminds her that, yes, I am important to her. A lot of nights when I get in, 9.30 or 10 o'clock, when I hit the front door, I can smell it, I mean, all over the house. That popcorn, and I have a passion for popcorn. I have an idea that I could pop popcorn, but what that says to me is, here's something I wanted to do for you. I know you could do it, but this is my way of saying, I was thinking about you while you were gone. I really do miss you. Welcome home, honey. It's the little things that make the big difference. I do a lot of traveling, as I'm sure many of you know. This past week, I had a pretty tough week. I spoke in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, finished late Tuesday night, ended up with four hours sleep, flew to Chicago all day touring and promoting my new book. It was hectic. I did not have time to eat, literally. I was scheduled to catch a 925 flight out. I got to the airport just a few minutes before departure. I was about to starve. They were not going to serve a meal on the plane. So I scooted around to the snack place to get me a... uh, Uh, you know, a sandwich. And then I remembered I spent a powerful lot of money on cab fares all over the place. I only had enough money left to pay my parking ticket at DFW. I had $2 beyond it. So I held a quick little pity party. Nobly and boldly said, well, I'll just take an apple. And I got an apple and it's all I had to eat. I got home. The plane was running late. I was absolutely exhausted. I headed for my car. I inserted the key and turned it on and a big nothing. Zero. 
Oh, what a pity party I had then. And then I said, well, I'll just call the wrecker. They'll come crank me and then I'll go home. And then I remembered all I've got is enough money to get out of the airport. I called a super shuttle and finally they got there and I got home. It was awful late and I was so tired. I crawled in bed at a little after 1.30. And as she always has done ever since we've been married, whether she's been asleep four minutes or four hours, she turned over. She gave me a hug. She said, I'm so glad you're home, honey. Now, it's not normal for a person 100% of the time to be awakened out of a deep sleep and be friendly and kind and gracious. <laughs> but 100% of the time, she's always done that. That's one of the main reasons that regardless of what time of night it is, if I can get home by 3 o'clock in the morning, I will come in and I will get that welcome home, honey. I'm glad you're here. All right, well, Tom, you grew up seeing firsthand the marriage of Zig and your mother. Uh, I did in a third-party way. My parents listened to a lot of Zig tapes. Uh, back then, the old cassette tapes, and read a lot of books. And I saw them walk out by example and even by talking about it, discussing it in my presence, how they pursued their marriage. So I got to see this. It was profound. Uh, and it affected me. But, you know, it was interesting as I looked at my own parents. It wasn't a marriage of perfection, but the effort that they put into it was a big deal. The devotion, uh, the duty, but also the heart. It wasn't just duty at all. Who wants just that? Uh, it was the heart of it. And I got to see that, and it helped me so much as I went into my own marriage. But then today, uh, I've been married for 22 years. Uh, actually, we're a month away from 22 years. And I have uh, seven kids, and I will uh, attest to the fact that it has not been smooth sailing. We have, uh, my wife and I are very similar, for better and worse. We have high highs and low lows. <laughs> and uh, uh, we've had a couple significantly low points. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking low, where we, there, was, there was a question, are, are we going to, I don't know if we ever thought, are we going to make it, but how can we? This is, this is low. And so we, this is, our marriage is something that we work on. Uh, Tom, how long have you been married? We will be married 28 years in October. Wow. 28 years. Uh, you have one kid. Now, interestingly, our, our, my oldest and yours uh, are right the same age. Mine's 19. How old? Alexandra is 20. Is 20. Okay. So they're both doing school and uh, we've been through a lot and when i think about marriages my own and others i see how as we, we look here from this clip we all understand that initial courting the first date the giddiness uh, the excitement and then we get married life happens and it's so easy for the marriage to become a partnership in the family business which is just life and I don't know, man, you, you jump off, uh, you know, on, on this again, with focusing on how you have the successes and, and the things that you know that you have done poorly and corrected or are working on today. Absolutely. Well, you know, we got married and, you know, life was bliss and everything's going great. We started working together here at the company and, and, uh, my wife's name is Chachis and we're working here. And then, uh, we got pregnant. And so she goes home to, uh, 
Uh, she had to go home a little early from work because she started having early contractions. And then, oh, my goodness, the world changed. I mean, you get married and world changes like, you know, hold your hands about six inches apart. That's how much your life changes. And then the first baby comes and you hold your hands as wide apart as you can get them. And that's how much life changes for mm-hmm. you. So we got that came and it was it was scary and it was awesome. And then, oh, my goodness, she started feeling kind of different. And we didn't know it at the time, but she had, I guess, postpartum depression. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's just something that you don't understand until you're in the middle of it. And there's so many people out there who who deal with different things and we didn't have a name to put on it. And, man, we we look back at those days and we kind of laugh when we talk about them because we call the we call them the gazebo burger days. And the reason we call them that is because I'd be at work and I'd call home about four thirty and I'd say, how are you doing? And she'd be kind of down and I'd say, what do you want for dinner and she hadn't had the energy to, you know, to do anything. And she said, just stop and get a gazebo burger. <laughs> and so the, the taste and the smell of that place, I still can't go back in there. Not because the hamburgers aren't great, but because it was a pattern over months where, you know, everything was just just up in the air. And so how do you how do you fight through that? How do you encourage somebody when they're going through a hard time? Mm-hmm. I know in my parents' case, mom moved the family like 20 times during their marriage. I mean, there was like 10 or 12 years where they moved every year to pursue the next big thing, the next job. And and she always did it with an open heart and willingness, always believing that he was going to make it happen. But I can also just imagine the toil of, you know, when is it the eighth or ninth move when you go, you know what, things really aren't getting any better. Why are we moving? Why don't we just stay here and plant? Uh but she believed in dad. And so in our own marriage at home, that's one of the things we transfer is, is no matter how tough the situation was, whatever we were going for, we each believed in each other, always knew and always know that she believes in me and I, I believe in her. And so sometimes when you go through a tough time, you just got to get real. You got to take time to just sit down and talk and, and work it out because most of the time, it's not an issue between each other. If you're both doing things the best you know how, it's things that somebody on the individual level is dealing with, and you've got to understand that, and you've got to get in that perspective. And that's what Dad always did is he always, whoever he was talking to, whether it was Mom or somebody else, he would want to know what position are they coming from and how can I relate to that position. And isn't that what marriage is all about? It's about putting your mate first and understanding the scenario they're in and how you can address that scenario. Man, there's so much that could be unpacked out of that. I I hear you. You know, there's been, even in the efforts and the understanding of some of this to walk it out can just be overwhelming sometimes when we get into the grind of life. I I know that my wife and I multiple times have, when we come, our, our, agreement was when we come to an obstacle we can't get around in our own relationship that we get help and often that comes in the way of getting counseling and we had a counselor one time who said uh, you know I think he was talking to me specifically he said Kevin marriage is not about making you happy it's about conforming you into the image of Christ 
man, that knocked me for a loop because you, you know you get together and you think about the relationship, the giddiness, and you think about your own happiness. Of course, you want the other person to be happy as well, but does that become the focus? And when life happens and it gets hard and it's not just all making you happy because you've got a baby who's keeping you up at night and uh, uh, diapers to change and bills to pay and stress at work, it's just difficult. But when you change that paradigm... It goes a long way, but again, it doesn't make things perfect. You know, he talks so much about what I put down as this old-fashioned chivalry, you know, opening the door for your wife or, you know, and obviously, you know, just caring for your spouse in different ways. And I know some people will hear that, and that may not be their cup of tea. I know there's women out there specifically these days who they don't want the door open for them. They want to be strong. You know what? That's not the point. The point is what what makes you feel cared for and are you communicating that Tom I've had times when we've had to sit down and just revisit that kind of the old the five love languages who was that Gary Chapman yeah that right yeah and and going down to go okay it's been 20 some years what again is your love language why and you know I think some to some times of life those even change somewhat and we have to revisit those because we get away and, and I realize you know what I'm not feeling the love and she's not either. Sit down and do that. Have you had to revisit stuff like that a lot? Oh, yeah. We revisit them uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I heard a great quote. This was my brother-in-law uh, who said this. Uh, we were having just uh, Jim Norman. By the way, Jim Norman just passed away mm-hmm. uh, last week. But oh, last year at one of the uh, seminars we had here at the office, he came in and he did a presentation. And, of course, he's married to my or was married to my sister, Julie. And uh, somebody in the room, they said, Jim, you know, it was a marriage thing. They said, they said, Jim, Julie's traveling all the time. How has that affected you in your marriage relationship? And I thought it was cool. You know, you ask the man who's staying at home because Julie's out speaking across the country. Uh, and so it doesn't matter what perspective you come from. If one of the spouses is, is the, the job is so busy, you know, what do you do? How do you handle that? And Jim said something very interesting. He said, you know, we struggled in our marriage until I realized that my responsibility to my wife was to provide the environment that would allow her to be all that God created her to be. Hmm. And, of course, she can flip it. Her responsibility to her husband, to Jim, was to create the environment that would allow him to be all that God created him to be. And so for those in a, in a marriage relationship, when you, when you look at your spouse, they're unique. They've got characteristics and talents and qualities that they are the only ones who have. And you've got to treat those uniqueness, those unique things specifically to them. So when I create an environment for my wife, it wouldn't be the right environments for some other uh, lady. Sure. There's only one chachas, right? Mm-hmm. And so I need to create that environment that will allow her to be all that God created her to be and vice versa. And that is just such a cool perspective because it takes the me, myself, and I out of the equation and says, okay, you know, this is what love is. This is what respect is. This is what honoring is. And then when both partners do that, oh my gosh, it's an incredible team. Man, that that is, and yeah. I don't know any better way to to walk it out than 
communication. Uh, it, it always seems, you know, it's interesting as we watch movies, Tom, uh, we enjoy a good, a good movie and a good romantic, uh, movie. And, but it's interesting. The, the bulk of movies these days, a lot of the plot happens from really bad communication. We laugh at it. It's funny. You know, it creates the drama, whatever, but we look at that and go, Oh my gosh. It, yeah. These, these tragic stories are built on poor communication. It doesn't work in real life. It's not that funny. <laughs> it's uh, we've got to sit down and communicate. And I, I really look at, you know, we talk so much with Ziegler that it's about life transformation. That if I look at my marriage as it's got to transform year to year, day to day. And that is, I don't know. I just, I, it was never a natural perspective for me, Tom. You kind of think you get into the groove of it and you just, you, you just ride it out. Right. And one of the things that I see in this, you know, in this podcast, the Ziegler show podcast, the majority of what we talk about is, is self improvement and business and everything around that. And marriage is an incredibly important part of that. And the reason I say that is this, I've had the privilege of sitting down with literally thousands of successful people through what we do, you know, and and you can have great conversations and after I've developed a little bit of a relationship, I'll just say, so, you know, so Kevin, what do you think is the number one reason for your overall success? And I can't tell you how many times people will say, well, it's my marriage. Dad called that the home court advantage, right? Mm-hmm. My home court advantage, you know? And I'd go, okay. And then a little bit later, almost as a test, I would say, hey, you know what? We're having a, 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 a marriage workshop coming up. You know, can you come? And I can't tell you how many times the answer was, well, you know, I'm not sure if I can do that. And then almost in the next breath, I'd say, hey, we have a sales seminar coming up. You know, it's $1,000. Can you come to that? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll be there in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And it's because in our minds, especially this is a man thing, too, we see an ROI. Yeah, I can learn more sales and I'll, I'll make more money and the, the cost is justified. Yet, in, the, in two paragraphs before, you know, five minutes earlier, they said the reason that they're successful in the first place is because they have that great relationship at home. And so what I want people who are listening to think is, you know, we invest in everything in our life. You know, we drive a nice car. We live in a nice house. We buy insurance for all that stuff. We attend seminars and we read books about business and how to improve. But how many times do we take time to do something with the number one person in our life? Because if that's going right, the rest of it is so much easier. Oh, okay. So that, that brings up, and again, this is you know just candid from my own story. I realized in being so tight with my wife, Terry, that the health of our marriage or lack thereof clouds clouded everything for me uh it was an umbrella over it and it was either an umbrella of uh of of beauty or of crap and it clouds everything and yet at some of the worst times i realized okay i got to start separate my my mind was saying i got to separate this because i still have to perform at work i still have to bring home the money i started separating that and realized all of a sudden that's scary if I get to the point where I can totally separate that and just deal with, okay, hey, my marriage is in the crapper, but I'm performing at work, I, I, I realize I don't want to separate that. I want it to be so tight that it does affect everything, and I've got to make it right. I can't, I can't abandon it. 
Um, and so on what you're saying, too, the home court advantage, you know, it's interesting. You remember the Millionaire Next Door book? Yeah. Was that Thomas Leonard? Do I have the... That sounds familiar, but I can't. Sounds it's something like that. Well, in going there and looking at the millionaire next door, which that was the premise of his book, is that there's a lot of them that just live next door to you. You'd never know about it. But in looking at some of the stats on them, that they generally had one long-lasting, healthy marriage. I think, gosh, why does that? Why is that indicative? of a millionaire and i think it goes back to what you just alluded to you can, can you have can you have true success without having whole life success can you have true business success if you're not having a relational and especially if you're married success there and i, I i'm not true success i've never seen it how about you i haven't either and uh of course single people certainly can be uh, extremely successful in every sense of the word. Sure. Uh, but what what we're really referring to is if if you're worried about what's going on at home and you're causing things, if you're doing things to make things worse at home or things at home are happening and you're not doing something to improve them, you're distracted. You can't be 100% on the go. And then, of course, just from a pure numbers perspective, few things are as costly as a broken home. You know, there's a government statistic, and, and uh, you know, there's, it's always good to pose arguments about something that we all agree with, right? So here's a question. Do we all agree that we should wipe out childhood poverty? Sure. Absolutely. Nobody wants childhood poverty. Everybody wants to get rid of it. Well, you know what the number one cause of childhood poverty is? Mm. It's a broken home. So just think of all the millions and billions of dollars that our government spends on social programs. What if they took all that money and instead invested it in marriage workshops that had proven track records of people who live out their life with these principles and how they treat each other, that their marriage has a greater chance of surviving? That's how we get kids out of poverty. Well. People don't like to hear that, but that is the reality. So if you're really there for wiping out childhood poverty, then you should go for the number one cause, which is a broken home. I was going to say get to the root cause instead of dealing with the symptom, as we so often do. Well, hey, uh, Tom, as we wrap up here, I mean, of course, you know, if people are hearing this and they, they're not, I'm sure there's heads nodding. We understand that, but we need something to take action on. Will you list out the top or, or, or top couple resources that people can go to Ziggler.com today and get to help this area of their life? Okay, at Ziggler.com, uh, it's, a, it's a huge, you know, smorgasbord of information. So when you go onto that landing page, uh, you might want to check out our, our retail product section because in there – we have books and CDs on marriage and family, courtship after marriage, raising positive kids. Uh, those are kind of the low-hanging fruit. And another place to find us is through social media, the Facebook, the Zig Ziglar fan page, which is over 3 million likes now. Uh, we're constantly posting things there, and we keep you up to date on events that we have coming up. But those are the two, two resources that I get. And, of course, you know, tell all your friends to get this podcast because – we need more people on here so we can help get the good news out about how people can take control of their life and purposely do things to help them improve. 
All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot and uh, I'm going to mention something about Facebook while I do, uh, just to ask you if there's any specific perspective, uh, quote, um, value on marriage, whether it's something that, that Zig said, or just something that has been really influential for your own marriage, something that you come back to, you know, where again, I, 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 where I referenced the counselor saying, you know, marriage is not about making, or not just about making you happy, Kevin, it's about conforming you and the image of Christ, man, that stuck. Are there any specific, a specific thing that sticks out for you? That's been an anchor for your marriage. I'm going to ask you that, but then I'm, I will reference something you just talked about Facebook. It's interesting when we look at so often relationships, relational health is so often at root cause issue, as you talked about, is the root cause issue to some of the symptoms that aren't working out in our lives. You know, people have poor job performance and you come down to it and realize there's some bad things happening on the home front. It's interesting with Facebook that when we have those quote posters that get shared tens of thousands of times, reach millions of people that the ones on relationship are generally not the ones that get the most mileage because that's not where we tend to put our values initially. We would say that we would nod our heads, but just like you said, people are more prone to spend money on a sales seminar than a marriage seminar. So uh, it should be, yeah, really motivate people or encourage people to go to Facebook, look at those posters, look at the ones that come out on relationship and, uh, let them have weight in your life. All right, Tom, anything stand out for you? Well, the, the quote that I love that's just kind of an anchor, uh, Dad used to say this, uh, and, he, and, he, and this is the secret to a successful marriage. He said this, the secret to a successful marriage is simple. You treat your spouse after you get married just like you did right before you got married. And it's funny when before we get married, we're doing all the little things. We're writing the notes. We're opening the car door. We're calling to check in. We're sending a little a little love sign. You know, we leave something in a hidden place that they discover and find. You know, it's all those little things. So that's the secret. That's what you can hang your hat on. And here's the cool thing: is if you're kind of in that wandering zone, you know, where wow. You know, I don't feel like I did when I first got married, and I'm wondering if it keeps getting worse, what else is there? Here's the cool thing. If you start doing the things that you did when you were in, in quote, in love, then guess what? You'll fall back in love. You'll you'll start to feel those things again. And if both uh, people in the relationship decide to do that, then look out. I mean, you're on for, for a great, a great time with each other when you start doing the things that got you there in the first place. I I, I love hearing that, Tom. And again, I got to think back to the folks with families and, and, uh, you know, when you think about hopping up and opening the car door for, I do for my wife, you know, half the time of our life, we've got kids in the car. We're trying to take care of them and pull a baby out and whatever. And it's not possible, but tell you what, on date night, uh, my wife is spruced up and I am trying to win the chivalry award and those deposits where we can, it may not happen in every moment, every day, uh, but those deposits are strong. I'm so grateful for the legacy that I got from your dad, Zig on a great marriage. So yeah, really motivate people. Go to Ziggler.com. Look at those resources, take them and take some action for your marriage. Tom, thanks, man. Thanks for sharing your heart and uh, being open on your own journey. Always a gift 
to do this with you. Everyone, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Thanks for tuning in to The Ziggler Show. Sign up for new show alerts at ZieglerShow.com. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. 